0: friends, we're back with your favorite podcast show of the week. It's episode number 561 of Location Weekly and we are recording on March the 22nd. Brianna, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm all right. I'm a little tired. I just got back from Palm Springs uh, like 2 a.m. this morning. So, you know, other than that, I'm, I'm good. So It was a good, it was nice weather. It's a good trip. Sorry, Very good friend Scott McNulty. So that was good.
1: Yes, yes. I'm glad you guys got to hang out together. Um, Yeah, I mean, not much is new over here. Just been following the baseball, uh, you know, deals, which have been very interesting so far. Freddie Freeman is no longer a brave. You know, a couple of other moving parts there too. So should be an interesting, interesting season. um but you know the weather is warming up here a little bit at a time so getting excited for it for the spring
0: yeah same here it's it's starting to creep up a little bit we're now we're now moving into that transition where it's like a lot of rain right because it's warm it's not it's not snow it's just like all rain now so it's just gonna wash it's gonna be a mess for a little while I think up here in Toronto in terms of just dirty and wet and anyways but
1: well good thing you escaped for a few days anyways
0: it'll be fine (laughs) all right we have a good show as per usual four stories that we want to walk you through and I'll let Aubriana start us off
1: all right well higher gas prices have been tough I think for everybody Um, who drives, but it's been especially tough for the gig workers, so gig economy. DoorDash is launching a gas rewards program for their drivers. That's gonna help them maintain their income level. Um, So what they're doing is allowing qualifying drivers to get rewards from $1.65 to $2 per gallon. And they can also get 10% cash back when they use the company's debit card. Um, It's called Dasher Direct. And they can use that that perk whether they are on the clock or not. So that's kind of nice, you know, wherever you're driving, um, getting that 10% cash back. So they're also adding a weekly bonus in for drivers who are driving the most miles. And we're seeing some other companies try and combat this. So we've got Uber, they're passing on uh, fuel fees, um, you know, that they're charging the riders to the drivers. And most are committed to doing this. They just started, you know, in the past week and most are committed to doing this at least through April, you know, kind of just trying to figure out what's next and gauging that. Um, but, you know, it's nice to hear that the gig economy organizations are actually thinking about their fleet workers for once. I think we hear a lot of negativity about how maybe they don't always take care of um, the people, you know, the feet on the ground that are making things happen. So, um, you know, I, I think this is necessary, obviously, the things that are changing you know gas prices just as one is just one impact that's happening but there's a lot of things that are changing and in the economy and um you know just making sure that you're taking care of the people that actually feed the organization is, is super important so um i like how they're going about this obviously there's still a need to have you know dashers to have, you know, Uber, Uber Eats, people are still using that, that hasn't changed. But, um, you know, there are other aspects that are changing. So it's nice to see um, these responses happening. So, you know, I think the tough part, though, is that likely those people who are paying for those services and getting kind of past those fees, we're not necessarily seeing an increase in, in anything that uh, we're getting, and we're still having to pay for our gas as well. So, I don't know.
0: What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's good that they're trying to account for you know the change in gas prices that we're all dealing with. Um, you know, here in Canada as well, we're seeing Uber's added that that surcharge, you know, for rides. Um, and I think they've set up, up here; it's to the end of May for now, and then it'll get reevaluated, same same as you just described. So, I think I think it's uh, it's one of those things where you know, we all have to kind of just deal with this. And, and it's not just, um, you know, the impact on consumer uh, delivery and, and rides and things like that. Obviously it has supply chain impact on, you know, products that we're buying grocery stores and everything else and getting the stuff there costs more as well, right? So I think, um, you know, we're seeing these companies start to adjust um, and try to find ways to, you know, sort of share that cost, right? Like. Obviously, it costs more than you know, whatever it is, forty-five cents, you know, um, you know, per mile to, you know, to account for that for you know what these drivers have to pay, um, and so they're they're not passing that full bill on, but they are saying, hey, look, you know, like we, we do have to do something here, and everybody needs to participate in it. So, I, I don't think that's a bad thing, and I think the loyalty piece of what you know, or the rewards piece of what they're trying to do. Um, I, I you know i it's interesting it's not like super innovative or you know anything that you know i think is earth shattering what i think is more interesting uh, i read another story while we're on the topic of doordash is they've launched a accelerator program as well uh last week um and it's targeted at um uh you know mar- sort of marginalized uh communities and uh so it's it's um I'm just gonna pull it up here so they launched this on March fourteenth, um, and it's a, an accelerator targeting uh, supporting small business uh, is in the in the CPG community. So, like if you're like a small small business that's got some sort of consumer good that you've you, you know you're trying to get to market, uh, they've launched this accelerator called Local Goods, and it's a financial support and educational initiatives for fifty entrepreneurs who are women, transgender, immigrants, or people of color. It includes a six week curriculum created in partnership with a small business advisory company called Next Street. Um, And so they offer you, you know, sort of financial management classes and vendor relations and supply chain uh, courses and all this kind of stuff uh, and a $5,000 grant and a guarantee that they'll sell your products on the Dash Mart. So I think that's kind of interesting, just as a sidebar story that, you know, they're trying, I think they are overall as a company, I think DoorDash is trying to say, hey, look, you know, you know, we realize that we're not just, you know, a delivery company, we're dealing with people and businesses and humans. And, you know, there are a lot of needs and a lot of challenges right now, whether that's high fuel costs, or, you know, uh, people just trying to get their goods to market and survive or get their small business off the ground. Um, so I, I, I like overall kind of the vibe that I'm getting from DoorDash, I guess is what I'm saying. What, any final thoughts from you?
1: No, I like that. That's, um, I'm glad you
0: shared that piece, too. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll go on to our second story, then. So um, this is a company we've talked about before, actually fairly recently. They're called SCS Imago Tag, and uh, they're a company that is in this space of e-shelf uh, labels, so electronic ink shelf labels in, in stores. And, uh, you know, without going into too much detail around that, they, you know, are, you know, obviously, like we all are, concerned about what's going on in the Ukraine right now and have teamed up with uh, UNICEF and uh, the Red Cross and they're working uh, across 30,000 stores that are using their uh, shelf label technology right now uh, and turning the electronic labels into call to actions to support donations to the U- to UNICEF and the Red Cross uh, specifically for their relief efforts uh, in the Ukraine right now so I think that's interesting because, it, you know, you uh, it's one thing to, you know, deploy this technology into a store and just kind of have it sitting there, but to be able to kind of say, hey, look, you know what, it's really like a, a digital signage network, you know, on a small scale, um, you know, in 30,000 stores. And if we can use that to create a call to action to create, you know, sort of highlight, you know, the need and the challenge and, and the devastation that's going on, um, you know, in that part of the world right now um you know why not right so so I think you know I I love the fact that they're they're able to kind of just pivot you know on the fly in that sense and just enable their their network of shelf labels to do more than just here's the price and information about the product on that shelf right uh, and give people an opportunity to to actually act and do something so um, I think it's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I agree I think that, you know, something that we've seen over the past few years is where we've seen technology actually um, connect with people and solve problems and, you know, help. And this is a, you know, a huge, a huge problem right now that's happening. And I think, you know, being able to bring attention to it, like you mentioned, it is, they have that outlet, they have that um, extension. And so being able to easily empower that connection between um, you know, a cause and, and putting that in front of people that could potentially help, I think is is amazing um, and probably at little to no cost to them. Um, so I think that this is great. I'd like to see more of this. I'd like to see more, um, you know, more of these signage companies, whether that's like the ones that are inside of the Ubers and Lyfts or whether that's, you know, just on the bus stops and things mm-hmm. of the future where we can kind of, Um, you know, fuel this more and just help, um, you know, alleviate those needs and challenges that that so many, um, you know, in Ukraine and coming out of Ukraine are are facing right now. So I think this is great. I want to I want to hear more stories like this in the coming weeks for sure. Yeah, I
0: think that's a great point you raise about like, you know, the Ubers and the taxis and, you know, those those types of screen networks that are sitting there as well. Or, you know, even I'm thinking, you know, elevator news networks, gas station TV, like all these types of, you know, sort of small screen networks with, you know, many, many people, many eyeballs and, you know, high touch points, you know, I think could be enabled in this way. So I like that uh, these guys are, are, are taking a lead in that way. So, yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay, so let's move over to a partnership. Um, this is between Ground Truth, someone we've, you know, known about for a long time. Um, and a company that I recently learned about, you know, a couple of months ago called Flowcode, who is really uh, focused on QR codes and an experience on CTV, well, TV, uh, CTV and beyond, I should say. So this new partnership really is allowing marketers to go beyond this impression or brand awareness play that we typically see on television and they're able to create this digital and offline engagement opportunity with consumers through the QR code, right? Um, so they have this full closed loop attribution or measurement capabilities and you know, Flowcode is the QR provider for um, TV networks, platforms, programming. They say they reach nearly 100% of US households and they work with about 60% of the Fortune 500 uh, companies. Um, you know, I think what's interesting is that right now TV, specifically CTV and the way that we measure it has been it's, a, it's in a very interesting transition and, and place because the way that television, linear television has been addressed and measured um, you know over the years with providers like a Nielsen, for example, is very different than perhaps the capabilities or the way that CTV can be measured. Um, And, you know, the methodologies are being questioned as they should be, right, as we progress and we learn more. Um, So I think that what's really interesting here is that this allows that kind of one-to-one connection whenever you scan a QR code and then you take action on your phone or on a device. And then I think the ground truth measurement capabilities, such as their visitation data, make this a pretty solid partnership. So taking that a step further where you can have More attribution, including the footfall attribution, but also just, um, you know, hey, I took an action on another device through scanning on my television. And, you know, when you think about consumer behavior and a user experience, typically we don't want to engage on our television and click on an ad and engage there and go to the website and all of that. Even with a smart television, it's just not super intuitive and it's not enjoyable. You would rather continue watching the content while you look on your second screen. Um, to kind of make that connection and be able to see like what it is or is there an offer or something like that. So, you know, I think that although this is not necessarily groundbreaking, you know, at Samsung, we've been doing QR codes within our advertising, maybe a little bit of a different experience than what Flowcode is providing, but there's opportunities to connect that end to end. So from exposure to actually taking an action, um, I think that is really what, we're trying to, to do here is connect those dots and show brands the efficacy of their, their ad spend across the various channels, whether that's linear or CTV or just digital display um, in general. So I, I think it's a strong partnership. Um, do I think that it's like, wow, and something super new or creative? Probably not, but you know it may just open up uh, the doors for brands to think about connecting with their consumers in a new way.
0: Yeah, I agree with, I think, all that you have said there, Um, you know, a few thoughts from my side. I I think that um, number one, you know, sort of TV isn't going away. You know, we're all sitting in front of, you know, those screens at home, whether it's, you know, you know, normal, traditional broadcast television for some people still or it's, you know, over the top, um, you know, we're watching. Right. So. Um, And we're consuming a lot of, you know, a a lot of hours, you know, in in that medium. So I think if there's a way to link that and attribute ads that are running there to actual footfall and traffic to those stores, to those brands, I think that makes sense, right? I mean, as you said, this isn't a new thing. It's, it's, you know, sort of a, a powerful mechanism to do that. Um, you know, using the QR codes, which we're all familiar with now. And and it's an easy action for people to take, I think, Um, you know, as you were talking, I was I was remembering, you know, from years past all the stories that we had covered, you know, uh, you know, around things like Shazam technology and and, uh, stuff like that. I mean, Shazam was, you know, embedded in TV commercials. You know, I remember Coca-Cola using it extensively around the London Olympics um, some years ago, And, um, you know, and they had, you know, in that case, it was more of a passive, you know, sort of engagement because if you had Shazam on your phone, which, you know, at that time, 300 million people had already had that on their phone, um, you know, it it was set up to run in the background to recognize, you know, uh, certain Shazam, you know, audio signals, right? So if that signal came up in the TV commercial, it would kind of trigger the Shazam app, you know, to kind of launch. And recognize that, you know, that was an ad for, you know, the Gap or Old Navy or what, whatever. Um, and then they could attribute it to, again, seeing from a football, football perspective that you were near an Old Navy store and even pop up a, um, you know, a recommendation in the app. Hey, remember that commercial you saw? Here's the offer. You know, why don't you go into the store? So I think that, um, in that sense, you know, sort of that connectivity, that attribution, that sort of ability to sort of tie, you know, what's going on in television to your physical, you know, location and where you are has been around for a while. I think what I like about this is, is that we're talking about QR codes. It's very ubiquitous now. It's obviously we've all been using them during COVID. Um, so I think the timing and and kind of uh, scenario that they've they've kind of positioned here is interesting and and, and good. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Final story. Uh, We're talking about Google now. Google uh, has created a new ad format that they call vehicle ads. And so basically it shows um, search uh, users nearby cars that are for sale. So it's location-based and kind of displaying, you know, cars that are, you know, currently available for sale. Um, they announced this at the National Automobile Dealers Association uh, just a week ago, um, and they've commissioned some research from Kantar um, with Gearshift and said that 16% of new car buyers bought their car online, uh, which is up three, uh, up 1% from three years ago. Uh, to me that's a big number, 16% of people are buying cars online, uh, you know, without you know, going anywhere or going to a dealership or anything like that. Um, and uh, so that basically the way it works is they say car buyers, for example, who are looking for, you know, a 2019 SUV from within search, uh, if they type that in a search, they'll get a picture, they'll get a location, the make, the price, the mileage of all vehicles that match that criteria that are nearby and can be delivered. Um, and then the sellers uh, of those vehicles get de- details of the potential leads that are coming in from the search uh, piece here. So it's kind of like, you know, the old sort of Google, you know, click to call type of ads, but delivered with geolocation and search results and, you know, much more details around, you know, sort of the, you know, the particulars of the vehicle itself. Uh, once a buyer selects a, a car, the ad directs them to the vehicle's description page and on the dealer's website and then they can fill out their contact information and, you know, sort of go from there. Uh, there are restrictions on this. So I should point out that, uh, uh, it's not permitted uh, for promoting vehicle ads that are recreational vehicles or commercial vehicles or farm vehicles or anything like that. This is straight up, you know, sort of, you know, traditional consumer, uh, you know, cars. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. And, uh, um, it's both new and used uh, inventory as well, so kind of cool. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, this is something that's probably not groundbreaking. The capabilities have been there to do this forever, but I like that Google is taking a more verticalized approach and they're addressing um, the auto industry specifically to say like here's an ad uh, you know format or experience or product that actually works for you and direct um, you know directly. I would say capturing leads, right? Solid leads uh, for dealers. Where I would like to see this go and expand is, I think there's an opportunity for um, like sellers, whether it's peer to peer, kind of what you see on Craigslist with the car industry um, for this to be enabled too. So if they could take it a step further, I think that opens up opportunities for both dealers and um you know individual sellers where you're saying hey like i've got a car for sale maybe the dealership wants to get you in so they say hey like i would pay x amount for that car come in you know or maybe there's an opportunity just to connect you with someone who's looking um i think that traditionally searching for anything you know on craigslist has not really been the best user experience so in that search and discovery being able to match maybe in more of a peer to peer way versus just a peer to business way uh, could be really interesting to expand upon this. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a, a solid offering and I'm sure the dealers are excited about this as well.
0: Yeah, and just one little stat to throw in there. Um, so they they ran a data uh, of this with a bunch of dealers and they said that uh, those who use the vehicle ads with existing search campaigns saw a 25% increase in conversion Um, you know, on, on moving their vehicles. So that's, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah. I believe it. I think it'll give the, you know, the cars.com and uh, those a little bit of a run for their money um, because that's how they're, they're monetizing all their, their placements. So now you've got the biggest search engine coming after you.
0: (laughs) There you go. Alrighty. Well, that's our show for this week, everybody. You've been listening and watching episode number 561 of location weekly. We thank you as always for your time. Please reach out if you have story ideas uh, or feedback for us or just give us some likes and some love on whatever platform you're consuming this. And we'll see you next week with another show. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.
1: Bye.